Hello there. Yes, it is me, Nick, introducing the Star Wars Time Show. Not Matt this time. Matt is on vacation, enjoying a nice birthday weekend with the family, birthday week with the family. Well-deserved. Matt has been through a lot. Obviously, we know broken leg and all. He's been going through a rough one. So let's all wish Matt a happy birthday and a good vacation for all of those listening. And when he comes back, he will regale us with the tales of his uh, of his successful birthday weekend, even though they may be limited by his busted leg. Of course, we wish Matt the best. Always, always. Uh, but yes, today is going to be a solo show for Nick. Just going to give you guys the... The hits of the week have a little discussion on the Knights of the Old Republic game, have a little discussion on Andor, some rumors around that. Obviously, we just got the new trailer drop and some other news with that as well. So you guys can strap in for a nice little cozy fireside chat with Nick, probably be about an hour to an hour and 20 minutes long. So you guys can just listen to this at your leisure. But hey, man. Let's kick it off. Like we usually do, we usually talk about what we did during the weekend, see if there's anything fun out there for you guys to to pay attention to outside of Star Wars World. And I will say, if you guys enjoy like food shows slash like mini documentaries, one series that that just released recently on Netflix called Street Food USA was uh, particularly good. Taylor and I... Uh, I would say binge watched it um, over the weekend. We have one episode left. I think there are six. But basically what the what the show does is it travels around to different cities in the United States and it looks at their street food scene and like what makes it so special and really kind of deep dives in on the the people who run these shops and where their passion for food came from and how they got started cooking and everything like that. And I thought uh, the show was truly amazing um, so far, the only episode we haven't watched is the one that's set in Oahu, Hawaii, because, uh, we're huge pokey fans. And we know that if we watch that, we're just going to be ravenous for, for pokey. And we, <laughs> we're trying to decide, like, do we want to order pokey, have it there and eat it while we're watching it? Or do we not want to do that? Because our pokey won't be nearly as good as the pokey that you can get in Hawaii. So that's a that's a debate right now. But there's other cities on there as well. There's Los Angeles, California, Portland, Oregon, uh, New Orleans, Louisiana, my hometown. Fantastic episode. Um, so there's a bunch of uh, awesome, awesome episodes of that on, on Netflix right now. You can go check it out. Um, other things that Taylor and I have been working through, um, just some older shows on HBO, nothing special. Uh, we started watching Hung. We're on season two. Funny show if you like it. Obviously, if you have children, probably wouldn't watch it around the kids because it is very uh, sexually slanted in terms of its humor and its content. Um, but if you want something else that's that's new, if you have Apple TV, uh, check out Loot. That's a new show with Maya Rudolph in it uh, and Adam Scott. Really funny, heartfelt show. Uh, we love Maya Rudolph in this household, so it was going to be a hit no matter what. But, it, you know, it's 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 all around a, a cool, funny concept for a show. So you have Apple TV Plus. Check out Loot. Very strong show. 20, you know, it's a 25 minute comedy. So easy, easy to watch, easy to digest. And I think that uh, some of you guys out there would like it. So check it out. Um, That, yeah, I mean... Very chill weekend for me. Nothing too special. Um, went out to a couple breweries, had some beers. Um, and yeah, just overall, very chill weekend. So good stuff on that front as well. Um, so let's just go right into the Star Wars stuff now, guys. You know how it goes around here. Uh, we talk news, then we get to our fan segment. Um, Matt posted the question of the week up for you guys to, to respond to. So I will go through some of those responses when we get to the fan segment. And we, of course, will close it out with the top five. Like we always do. We always close out with the top five. So we're going to kick it off right here. First things first, the bad news, right? You always want the bad news first. So you can close out with the good news. Well, 
we got some really bad news in Star Wars land this weekend. And it was that the one game that seemed to have galvanized Star Wars video game fans around the world in their excitement, the Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic remake coming from Aspire Media has been shut down and shelved indefinitely. Um, that's about the worst news you can get for a video game, you know, to say that that full stop has happened. Development has stopped. Uh, Aspire Media has actually fired the uh, the two heads of the game, Brad Prince, the design director, and then Jason Miner, the art director, uh, were fired from Aspire Media and the game itself is no longer in active development and there are no plans to bring it into active development uh, anytime soon. Um, super painful news for a lot of us uh, Star Wars video game fans who've been pining for something, any like literally anything in the Star Wars video game landscape for the past seven years or so. Um, unfortunately, this is not going to happen for us. Uh, basically the story that, that came out of Aspire was, um, you know, Brad Prince and Jason Miner presented a demo to the heads of the studio and the demo just was nowhere near where it needed to be or where the expectations were. Um, if you remember back to when we originally reported on this story that the, the, the game was happening in full effect, Aspire Media was taking it over the initial plan was for this game to be completed and released by the end of 2022. Um, people familiar with the project and heads of the studio said that after seeing the demo, there was just no way possible that was going to happen. An internal source that was uh, close to the development did not say that they were on the development team. Um, but was very um, knowledgeable on the development process and how far along they were, said that a more realistic timeline instead of the end of 2022 would have likely been 2025. So that is a massive disparity between what the expectations were for this game and what the actual development time timeline was. Which, I mean, for there to be a three-year disparity means that either expectations were just unreasonably set by by the higher ups or that the team working on it was just so woefully behind schedule that they were never going to complete the game to to begin with. Um, it was also said that um, a, a, too much of the resources that were being uh, allocated to the game were put into just making a functional demo uh, and not enough of the resources actually went into active development on the game. Um, we've seen a lot of stuff like that happen um, during the the height of the E3 era, during the video game, uh, you know, the video game timeline. You know, studios would spend huge amounts of money just to get a demo to show on stage at E3. But then what ended up happening was... The demo was not representative of what the game was. It started to cause uproars with fans. I mean, just go back and look at all of the issues with Cyberpunk. Um, that was one of the huge problems is that we would see E3 demos. We would see E3 gameplay videos, quote unquote. And then when the game came out, none of either none of what we saw in these videos and these demos were in the game or it had been drastically changed and reduced in scale to what we saw um and the the fan that's why fan outcry around cyberpunk was so loud i mean other than the fact that it didn't work on half of the generations of consoles that were out um but that was a lot of it is is that these demos did not provide an accurate look at what the game was going to provide. And I think that's probably what happened with this old Republic remake. Um, you know, the, the guys at the studio, the heads of the development of the game wanted to try to make the demo look good for higher ups and the higher ups were able to see through that. And, and, um, you know, to their, their quote was the, uh, the project was on an unsustainable budget path. So um, it's super unfortunate because if you think about, you know, 
what was out there in the Star Wars game landscape for 2022. It was Star Wars Hunters, which has been delayed. Um, and it's it was Knights of the Old Republic remake, which is now officially uh, dead. So 2022 is going to be another year with no Star Wars games for you to enjoy, for us to enjoy. I mean, it's at this point, it's getting really upsetting. You know, one of the things that really pulled me in, pulled me deeper into Star Wars when I was a kid was games, you know, like. There was only so much media around Star Wars that you could that you could intake at that time. You know, when I was, you know, nine, 10 years old, 1999 comes around, you know, 98, you didn't even have the, the first new movie yet. I was 10 years old. I was like, OK, well, I've seen all of the movies already. I've seen the original trilogy over and over again on VHS tapes that are recorded from my friend. Um, and all that was out there were video games. And that's kind of how I got deep into Star Wars at first was through the video game. Uh, you know, playing, you know, in, in, in the early 2000s, playing the Knights of the Old Republic games, playing uh, Jedi Academy, playing Force Unleashed. Stuff like that made me interested in, hey, you know, the stories that are beyond the movies and that drew me into the books and everything else. And I think that not having a thriving video game ecosystem is is stopping people from entering the Star Wars expanded universe. Um, you know, when you play a game like you know Knights of the Old Republic, it wants it 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 forces you. It almost I don't want to say forces you, but it it makes you want more. It makes you want more of these stories, more of these stories that you can't find in the movies. Uh, so that led me right into the books. I was like, hey, man, if they have stories about this kind of stuff, if if there are Knights of the Old Republic games out there where I can play through a game and find out that, you know, I'm Darth Revan and then go fight the Triumvirate in the second game and stuff like there, there have to be other stories like that out there. And then that opened up my whole world to the Star Wars expanded universe novels, reading the Darth Bane books incredible uh old republic you know not quite you know far later than the actual old republic video games but still in the old republic a thousand years before um the the uh phantom menace so there was plenty of timeline back i mean read that whole trilogy incredible loved it went on to the projects that happened during the active Star Wars timeline. So I read the books that came after uh, Return of the Jedi, Truce of Bakura, read the whole X-Wing series. Then I uh, dived into the old Thrawn books. Then I went into the legacy of the Jedi. Like there were so many uh, pieces of expanded universe that I delved into because of Star Wars video games. You know, playing Nice Little Republic, playing Jedi Academy, playing all of these games that were so well made led me into like really deepened my Star Wars love more than anything else. And uh, people really haven't had the opportunity to to do that recently. Your only entry into it with any noticeable storyline progression is uh, Jedi Fallen Order. People have their issues with that because of the combat system, um, you know. You, you kind of had a taste of a Star Wars single-player experience in uh, Battlefront 2's campaign, which was well-made, um, but, but just not a full game experience. So this one really hurt, you know? This one was something that I think a lot of us were looking forward to. I was hesitant on it at first, and I said that I would play it if there was... Uh, an updated battle system and stuff like that because I've played the original Knights of the Old Republic to death. Um, but I, you know, like I was starting to to see the light on this game. I was starting to say like, hey, you know, even if it is, you know, not a completely new battle system, but updated with modern mechanics and stuff like that, I'll give it a play. And now it's just gone forever, um, which is unfortunate. Uh, hopefully, you know, there is some sort of licensing rights that would allow Lucasfilm to maybe 
take this game back from Aspire Media and give it to another studio to complete, but it does not seem like that's likely anytime soon. Um, so like I said, starting off with the bad news, obviously it's always bad news to know that a project like this that had so much hype behind it is just not going to happen. It's, it's, you know, it's not delayed. It's not, you know, being restructured. It is shut down. So, um, you know, very somber note to start, start the podcast on, but Hey, uh, that kind of stuff happens in, in the video game development landscape. And like I said, all, all that I can hope for is that uh, somehow this project will see the light of day again at some point. But it seems like uh, at least this version of the game is officially dead before arrival. So first piece of news down. Um, next big piece we're going to talk about. Obviously, all of you have already seen it. Um, it is... The first, or not the first, the final, final Andor trailer. Um, we still have quite a bit of time before the release, especially now that that the show has been delayed. So um, August 1st, which was uh, on Monday, Monday, August 1st, uh, uh, the Andor trailer dropped. But along with it, uh, the news of a three-week delay uh, came as well. So... Uh, the show was originally supposed to release on August 31st, the end of this month. So in roughly three weeks, three and a half weeks. Um, but at at the end of the trailer, the nice splash screen that shows you the release date did not say August 31st, it said September 21st. So that is a full three week delay. So now we're about six weeks out plus six and a half, maybe seven weeks out from release, uh, which sucks. Yeah, for all of us. No, nobody's happy about it. Um, but... What I will say is that I, I, I don't get upset about delays anymore. Um, delays usually happen in Hollywood, especially now for a multitude of reasons, may not be related in any way to trouble with the production or anything like that. In fact, production on this show is long since over. Um, so more than likely, it has something to do with, you know, some of the uh, post effects, anything like that, like anything that happens post production, whether it's visual effects, sound effects, anything like that. Maybe there was an ADR session that needed to happen that needed to be delayed with some of the characters, anything like that. Um, but it doesn't seem like this had anything to do with uh, like actual production issues because we're so far beyond the the production date of this show. Um, but other than the delay. Uh, they did kind of, you know, put a little sugar on top of it with a three episode premiere. So instead of having the normal two episode premiere, like we have with Kenobi, the first day of Andor's release, there will be three episodes available for you to watch, which is uh, a really awesome little, you know, gift to give you to, to make up for, uh, the, the delay. That being said, that just means there's less, you know, a th with a three episode premiere, that just means that there's less time to watch it over too. So you'll have less weeks of new Andor coming out. So that's really up to you about how you feel about it. If you would rather uh, more upfront or have more weeks of new Star Wars content to come. Um, so that's the that's the big news there. If you haven't seen the trailer, go watch it. There's some awesome content in there, obviously. Two minute uh to almost a two and a half minute long trailer shows some scenes on Jetta, shows some scenes of uh what the Empire is doing uh with Project Stardust potentially. Um, you know, we see what looks like slave labor happening in some of these camps as as you see like workers in these I don't want to say prison uniforms, but workers in very um, drab and uh, clean uniforms working through Imperial facilities. Um, awesome shots of, of Mon Mothma in the Senate. Um, and just a general sense of like, this is what's happening in the galaxy. The, the grip is tightening, but the grip may be loose enough for... People like Andor, like Cassian, to pass through it. 
one of the things that he says in the trailer is the empire is so fat that they don't even realize when somebody likes like me sneaks among their number and you see Andor in a, uh, you know, in an Imperial outfit. So clearly he's, we were already seeing him as a spy infiltrating the empire. We get to see, uh, you know, we get to see him as a young kid too. His, his, the first time that he ever, you know, messes with the empire. We get to see Saw Gerrera in here. Um, a lot of good stuff. You get to see scenes on Jeddah. Um, and a lot of Imperial machinations that are happening in the background. Um, so the trailer itself gave a lot of great information, a lot of focus on Stellan Skarsgård's character. So um, it will be interesting to see exactly how in-depth he plays into the show and, and, and what his role is. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, a fantastic two and a half minute long trailer gives a lot to look forward to already starting to plant the seeds of rebellion. You can hear at one point in the trailer an Imperial, you know, probably middle middle management officer or something like that saying there are pockets that are popping up. There are cells that are popping up, obviously talking about the pockets of resistance and rebellion that will eventually codify into the official rebellion against the Empire. Um Overall, fantastic trailer. There was also a new poster that dropped for it that is in, uh, you know, perfectly standard Star Wars format, big character leading down into smaller characters. Um, but I like how it does have almost like a sketchbook type of feel to the to the poster. So make sure to check that out, StarWarsTime.net. You'll have the trailer on there and the poster as well. So enjoy that. Um and then there's also some some other pieces of news from Andor as well. Um, one of the big, you know, uproars, I guess you would say, from the Kenobi series was that people were unhappy with the volume now. The people don't like the volume. You can see the volume. Um, and that's not going to be something you have to worry about with Andor. Uh, Tony Gilroy has come out and said that Andor does not use the volume. Um, so Tony Gilroy, speaking to Empire Magazine, says, uh, we didn't use stagecraft at all. We're old school. Um, stagecraft is just the internal name or the, the proper name for the volume. Um, so knowing that people who had issues with Kenobi and how it looked in certain areas shouldn't have that issue anymore because it does not because Andor does not use the the Star Wars volume video wall or stagecraft or whatever you want to call it at all. Um Tony Gilroy wanted to take a very old school approach to it and uh they chose not to do it. Also, I don't believe that the volume is available in every studio and I know that a lot of Cassian uh or a lot of Andor's filming happened overseas. And I believe that primarily stagecraft slash the volume is used when filming um, in L.A. So that may have had something to do with it. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not 100% sure if it was completely um, up to Gilroy, whether he wanted to use the volume or not, or if there were other uh, heads of the show who, who gave their opinion on whether to use it or not. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Gilroy went into a little bit more detail um, about some of the setups, you know, said that they were they worked uh, in Scotland, walked <laughs> walked up mountains for hours to set set up one shot. Um, so you can see that he 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 went to great lengths to ensure the the visual aspect of this show isn't. You know, feels real because it is real, I guess, is the best way to put it, so. Um, very cool that they went to those lengths just to make sure that the, that the visual aesthetic of the show was so accurate to what people may want from uh, a show like Andor. So, uh, awesome stuff there too. There's also some rumors around Andor, um, from making Star Wars, how the Death Star is going to connect to it. Obviously we know that throughout this entire timeline of Andor all the way up to Rogue One, the 
the Death Star is actively being built. It's, it's actively being built. Um, and one of the ways that it's being built that we're going to find out about in Andor is through slave labor. So essentially what you have is all of these prisoners that the Empire has um, are being conscripted to do the work that they used to do. So you have scientists, you have engineers, you have all of these incredibly intelligent people that have been imprisoned by the empire for whatever reason, whether it be political dissidents or um, any crime that the empire could make up to arrest these people. Um, they are now conscripted as slave labor to work on project stardust, which we know from, uh, from rogue one is the project that is building the death star. Um, this is where it comes into seeing these people in these very clean, I would call them prison garb, full white outfits, orange, um, orange stripe down the arm. Uh, at one of the points in the trailer, you see a full room of these people just working and kind of, you know, looking off into the distance as somebody walks into the room. Um, so slave labor is going to be a big focus on this. And I don't think that's surprising. I mean, you, we know how the empire works. There, there are a, uh, ruthless, uh, organization that will literally, they'll take anybody and they don't really need a reason to, they'll take you because of your expertise alone. I mean, we saw that happen with Galen Erso. I mean, Galen Erso was trying to live a simple life as a farmer on a different planet to try to get away from the empire, tracked him all the way down. And they took him from his family to say uh, that he needed to work on this project. And, and he did. And ultimately it was that type of coercion and, and enforced labor that led to the destruction of the empire or, or this, well, yeah, the destruction of the Death Star and the empire because you have people like Galen Erso who are forced into working that don't want to do this work, that don't want to support this regime, that build in these types of uh, fail safes for people to discover. They build in the the shaft that that Luke Skywalker shoots the missiles down in A New Hope and in in destroys the Death Star with. They build in these these little points of failure. Um, so at, at the end of it, yes, you may have gotten your, your giant death star built because of slave labor, but it was also destroyed by those same people who you forced into doing it. So, um, very interesting stuff there. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that this trailer has given me a lot more, I don't want to say hope because I always thought that Andor was going to be cool. It, it, it proved to me a little bit more that that Andor is actually going to be the show that we expected it to be. Andor is going to be a very gritty show that is unlike anything that we've ever really seen before in Star Wars, in my opinion. To a certain degree, The Mandalorian had some grit to it, but then it was also kind of evened out by the, the Grogu angle, like having... This little baby around always kept the mood light to a certain degree. It was easy to insert comedic moments because you had Grogu that was the constant companion of Din after episode one. Um, and it just like it, it kind of kept it light. And there was always a levity to the show because of the inclusion of Grogu. I don't know how much levity we're going to have in Andor. Um, and rightfully so in my opinion it doesn't really need it like a show like andor should show the tough the gritty uh the the sometimes uncomfortable aspects of what's going on during a rebellion during the seeds of a rebellion um if you think about rogue one were there moments of levity? Yeah, definitely. I think that that K2 did a great job of of adding moments of levity into that movie, but I don't think that that's what you remember from from that movie. What you remember is the sacrifice K2 scene where he goes down um delaying the invasion of the stormtroopers into the Scarif base as long as he can while um Jin and Cassian are trying to retrieve the Death Star plans. Uh, you remember that incredible scene. You remember the scene of uh, all of the explosions going off in the Scarif Beach. You remember the the uh, the battle scene, 
the uh, the space battle scene leading up to the invasion of Scarif. And then you also remember that amazing scene with uh, Jin finding her dad, them landing on uh, that planet with the Imperial base on it, climbing up to try to save her father and her father gets gunned down um, by director Krennic. I mean, it's, it's all around. It was a, it was a movie that was darker in tone. It was a movie that showed you the, the tough side of the plucky rebellion that we've only ever seen little bits of in the original trilogy. Um, it showed you the sacrifice that needed to go in place. You saw a planet essentially get half destroyed in Jeddah. Um, and you saw the what a rebellion can do to somebody like Saw Guerrero, who's seen his family, his friends, his you know closest allies killed by the Empire, even from a young age, and how that can mentally and physically degrade a person. Um, and I think that's what we can expect from Andor. In, in the TV show, I, I wouldn't expect there to be a lot of moments of levity of like little comedic moments or anything like that. K2 is not even going to be in season one. So if there is uh, a bit of comic relief, it's going to have to come from a different character that we don't know about yet. Um, but it's going to be the it's going to be a very different show than we've ever seen before in Star Wars. And I think that's a good thing. I think that having tonal shifts like this and having different types of shows, you know, having shows that that don't have moments of levity that are very serious uh is important so um super looking forward to it obviously you know slightly upset because of the delay but that's understandable i would rather them have more time uh to get everything buttoned up and exactly how they want it than to force them to you know finish something up too quick or to to cut corners or to make mistakes when they're trying to do a rush job to get it out uh, by the 31st when, Hey man, if you just need three weeks, we'll take it. You know, we'll take a three week bump to make sure that everything is as buttoned up as it should be. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's the big news on Andor. There are some like small acolyte things out there on star Wars leaks. If you guys want to go read it, um, not something that I'm going to talk about because you're talking about things without even the the slightest hint of context um, or anything like that. So if you guys are interested in leaked materials, you can go down to star Wars leaks on Reddit, scroll down a bit for, uh, you know, probably 10, 15 posts and you'll see some, some leak information on the acolyte. Uh, if you want to read that, you can go, you can go ahead and do it. Um, it is out there for you to consume. Uh, but for the Star Wars time show, the solo Star Wars time show for Nick, we're going to transition into our fan segment. Like I said, there was really only a couple of, of uh, big things out there in Star Wars land today um, or this week. There are some Tales of, Tales of the Jedi leaks that I also don't want to read through because Tales of the Jedi is an anthology series. They're short episodes. I don't want to have... Uh, you know, already short content spoiled uh, before the show is even close to releasing. So um, if you guys want to read those leaks as well, you can go Star Wars leaks on Reddit and read those. Um, but we're going to transition our fan segment. If you want to get involved in the fan segment, make sure to follow us on Instagram at Star Wars Time Show. We will post a question of the week every Tuesday morning and if you see uh, anything that you would like to, if you see a question that you would like to answer, please do it. Drop us a comment, answer in our stories, and we will read some of those responses on this here show. Um, so the question this week is, how do you feel about the Andor delay? We try to, to theme our questions. Matt tries to theme the questions around whatever's happening this week. Uh, obviously, uh, he didn't want to ask how people feel about uh, Knights of the Old Republic being completely canceled because I feel like that would be uh, a very one-sided response. Nobody's going to be happy about it. Everybody's going to be upset by it. So uh, how do you feel about the Andor delay? Very, very reasonable question. Um, so yeah, so let's let's read some of these responses. Um, 
Tones1138 says, seems odd that they have given no explanation for the delay. It'll be worth the wait after seeing the trailer, though. Really looking forward to this show. Um, yeah, I mean, no, no, uh, no explanation. I also don't think that there is an explanation needed. Um, a lot of times we as fans feel like we should get an explanation for everything. And this is just isn't like Star Wars fans. This is fans of anything. Like when whenever anything happens, uh, we feel entitled to information about it. Realistically, we don't need it. What would it make a difference if they said, hey, we're delaying three weeks because uh, we need to do an ADR session with uh, Diego Luna, but he's on vacation. Like, I don't know if that would make that big of a deal or, or, you know, would it make a difference if they said, Hey, yeah, like we need three more weeks cause we want to polish up the special effects. I don't think it makes a difference. Um, but yeah. So, uh, tones wants a little bit of an explanation, but he's really looking forward to the show after seeing the trailer as am I, um, Cody Tweedy says, if it's to fix the CGI on those clone troopers marching, I'm for it. Uh, still looking forward to the show. So obviously he saw, he saw some, uh, some, some CGI that he feels needs some polish. So maybe, uh, so he's thinking that maybe what the delay is for, like I said, to, to put some polish on the special effects. Maybe so. Who knows? Thank you at Cody Tweedy for your response. Um, let's see here. Star Wars Black Series clips. If they need extra time to work on it, then I have no issues with the delay. Wouldn't want it to be rushed out if there are improvements to be made. Um, that's kind of my thought on delays in general now, whether it be with TV shows, whether it be with movies or video games. Is, uh, the people who are working on it know when they need more time. The problem comes in when the people who are working on it, know they need more time. And the people who are not working on it, who are either studio heads or, or publishers or, you know, investors say, well, you know, I don't care if you think you need more time, you're going to release this game in two weeks. Like you said, you are, or you're going to release this show in a week. Like you said, you are, that's when the problems come in. That's when issues come in with uh, things being shoddily made, things not looking up to par, things um, releasing with bugs or with other things that need to be addressed post-release in the video game sense. So I'm 100% with Star Wars Black Series clips on this. If they say they need more time, let them do it. You know, let them have the time to make this as good as possible. Um, Freed3462 says it sucks, but it's just business as usual for Lucasfilm. Now the KOTOR remake being delayed indefinitely really has me upset. Um, so I will say that for Freed, definitely, like I get it. I talked about it, you know, at the beginning of the show. Definitely not great to have two projects, essentially one uh, shut down and then one delayed pretty, pretty close to each other. Lucasfilm had nothing to do with the KOTOR remake delay. Um, that was completely an Aspire Media deal. Um, the studio heads of Aspire Media were shown the demo. There was at least to what was reported. There was nobody from, uh, Lucas film or Disney there in that meeting. This was a, this was a decision that was purely made by Aspire Media, given the state of the game at this point in development and the investment that had been made in it. Um, so I don't think that those two things are necessarily linked. Um, I also don't think that Lucasfilm necessarily has a history of delays, um, or of like, you know, things like this happening. Um, and even if they do, even if there, there, there was a delay in the past that I'm just not recalling right now, because tip, like, I don't really remember stuff like that unless it's like cyberpunk where the game was delayed for four years, essentially. Um, I don't remember small delays, two, three week delays. It's not a big deal. Like if a, if a project gets delayed, like if Andor, you know, we know is delayed three weeks now, but then at the end of this month, you know, at the end of August, they say like, okay, well, we're going to delay it another three weeks. Like we're going to push it until October. Then I start to get a little worried. 
then it seems like there are problems that are systemic um, with the post-production process that they haven't been able to figure out yet. But for something as small as a three-week delay, it probably is nothing at all. Just simply, like simply the the post, uh, you know, the post-production team needing a little bit more time just to add some polish, tweak some things, maybe do a little bit of uh, uh, voiceover work. So. Uh, I don't, I don't typically remember that for, for projects as long as it's not something that continuously happens. Um, so yeah, that was freed three, four, six, two. Thank you for your response. Um, uh, so star Wars props has an interesting kind of angle at this here. He says, makes sense with the release of house of the dragon release date. Honestly, I can wait as long as I need after seeing that trailer looks higher budget than any Disney plus star Wars release we've ever seen. Um, so I never really took into account the house of the dragon release date. I also don't think that Disney did either because let's be honest, like there are like the, the first episode release date is August 21st. So I mean, you already had a 10 day window after the the first episode release of House of the Dragon, and I'm going to be honest with you, I don't think House of the Dragon is going to get the response and the viewership that the original Game of Thrones did. Um, if you think about when people started to hate Game of Thrones or started to to really, you know, when it started to fall off, it's when they didn't have any more material to work with. It's when George R.R. R. Martin's uh, you know, writing had diverged from what was happening in the show. And when you got towards the end where there was nothing there anyway, um, and that's all like house of the dragon is completely, uh, unexplored territory. George R. R. Martin has it. I don't like, at least to my knowledge, there's no, um, written material that George R. R. Martin had provided or was readily available that this is based off of. I know that there were history of the Targaryen families that were written in different, like kind of encyclopedias and in collections of stories and stuff like that. I don't know if that's being used as an influence to write this show, but I think that just like the, the sentiment around house of the dragon and around game of Thrones in general has kind of soured, especially after the final season. Um, so I'm not sure if they're worried about that taking up their viewership. I also think that those two shoes are very wildly different. They're two completely different appetites. Um, I don't think somebody interested, I don't think that there is a one-to-one correlation of people who are going to watch house of the dragon are also going to watch Andor. I, I don't feel like that. Those are completely 100% crossover markets. Um, so I, I don't think that has anything to do with it. I could be wrong. Like maybe Disney has some tracking numbers in their back end that shows them that, um, you know, house of the dragon could eat into their, to their, you know, watch share of streaming or something like that. But I don't think that that's the case, but it could be, could be. Um, so that was star Wars SW props. Thank you for your response as well. Um, and I think that, you know what, I'll, I'll read, uh, I'll read one more. I'll, I'll go and I'll pull from our story responses. See if there's anything in there that, that seems juicy. That sounds good. Um, let's see. Let's see here. One second while I pull up the uh, story replies. I'll look for Ripix because Ripix always kind of. Oh, Ripix always has something good to say. He says, not concerned. That trailer looks dope AF. Think the delay has to do with other releases scheduled. Um, maybe they're adding Jar Jar into the show finally. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, Ripix not concerned. I'm not concerned. A lot of people, so Ripic again brings up like has has to do with other scheduled releases. I'm not sure if he means other Star Wars releases. The only one that was close to it was obviously the Bad Batch season two that was supposed to release um, near the end of September. So I don't know if if like pushing 
and or near the end of September is going to make them uh, rethink the release date for uh, Bad Batch Season 2. Um, but I really don't think that that has anything to do with it. I don't think that Disney is afraid of House of the Dragon. Let's, like, I don't think that they're concerned at all. Um, and I don't think that that was the reason why this show was delayed. So um, thank you, everybody, for your responses and our stories and on, on the post itself. Um, like I said, every Tuesday morning, keep an eye out on the Instagram. That's where the question of the week will be posted. Drop your responses there in the comments or in our story replies, and you have a chance of being pulled to read your opinion on the show. The next way for you to get involved in the Star Wars Time Show fan segment is through our top five Star Wars fan artist features of the week. Happens every week. So this is how it works. Matt, the proprietor of all things Instagram on the Star Wars Time Show, will home the Star Wars art landscape on IG looking for those of you that tag us at star Wars time show using the hashtag star Wars time show as well. But it is very important to tag us at star Wars time show in your star Wars art posts. He will look for those. He will pull his favorites and he will put them. He will feature them on our Instagram account, tagging you and giving credit to all of the artists who do the work. From those shares over the week, I pick my top five for the week, and that is how it works. So if you want to get involved, tag us at Star Wars Time Show. Use hashtag Star Wars Time Show on your Star Wars art posts, and that is how you get recognized, and that is how you get into the top five. So this week's top five kicks off with at wretched.hive on Instagram. I know that this is we're, we're in radio land here, everybody. There's no live show this week, obviously. Sorry for those of you who enjoy the live show. We will get back to it when, when Matt is back on the show. Um, but since we're in radio land right now, make sure to go to StarWarsTime.net. Look for the top five Star Wars artists post this week. It should be featured on our header. Um, so scroll through those posts, open up the top five, and take a look at these amazing toy photography pictures, and pieces of art as I go down and talk about them. So, first up is at Wretched, W-R-E-T-C-H-E-D, dot Hive on Instagram. You get it? Wretched Hive of Scum and Villainy. Um, But he has an amazing shot of our good friend, Din Djarin, and his constant companion, Grogu. Um, So what we see here is... Uh, Din and Grogu exiting the Razor Crest prior to the Razor Crest being blown into complete bits. Looks like they've sat down on a on a beautiful sunlit wheat field. You can see, you know, incredible, uh, you know, grass and and uh, foliage growing around them. Beautiful orange glow of the sun in the background. You can see what almost looks like a moisture evaporator off in the distance, and then the razor crest off this side and then din and little baby grogu in his uh bassinet walking out of the ship uh just very well executed shot i love the the coloration the 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 sun i don't know if this is actually shot outside or if wretched hive did this in his house somehow but that orange glow of the sun really sells this shot well beautiful job uh at wretched hive at wretched.hive on instagram Make sure to give him a follow. Uh, next up is an incredible X-Wing shot here from at Matea, M-A-T-T-E-A, underscore toy, underscore photography on Instagram. Excuse me. Take a sip of water roll. So what at Matea toy photography has done is put an incredible, put together an incredible shot of uh, an X-Wing looks like uh, Red 5, in fact, blasting off uh, from the surface of a sandy desert planet. Huh, huh? Sandy desert planet in Star Wars. There's only one of those, right? No, wait, there's two. No, wait, there's three. Probably four, maybe five. 
We'll just say it's Tatooine, right? That's how that's how desert planets work in Star Wars. If you don't know, it's Tatooine. So what we see is Red 5 here blasting off from the surface of Tatooine. And, and, and Matea Toy Photography has done an absolutely wonderful job of kicking up the sand behind the engines of Red 5. You can see a huge blast of sand, crater in the sand itself, where where the 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 ship has kind of flown over this section, kicked up a bunch of sand in its in its uh, wake, and uh, th- yeah, I mean it's just a fantastic job. You can see that the S foils aren't even like in attack position yet; they're still closed, so this is still early in flight, uh, and they're in atmosphere. So I don't think that you can have S foils fully out in atmosphere upon like initial takeoff. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just an absolutely cool shot at Matea underscore toy underscore photography on Instagram. Go give them a follow. Next up, we were kind of just talking about this a little bit in the beginning of the show with the cancellation of Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic uh, remake. But what we have here is a great shot from guillemag8.gh4. That is at G-U-I-L. A-U-M-E dot G-H-4 on Instagram. And it's a shot of Revan himself. If you've played uh, any of the games that include Revan, that is Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes. That's Star Wars Nice Old Republic. That's Star Wars The Old Republic MMO. You know what Revan looks like. You know that signature Revan mask. You know the signature black cape with the 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 leatherette kind of chest piece and the signature belt he's got both of his lightsabers ignited one red one purple um in a beautiful stance and the atmosphere that that gma has pumped into this image is at like absolutely sells it you have these multicolor colored lights you see the red reflections in atmosphere off of the red saber you see the purple reflections off of atmosphere off of the purple saber and then you have this this beautiful blue light source coming down from the top right of the image that illuminates uh revan from his from his left screen right um just a masterful job on capturing the essence and just the the coolness for lack of a better term of this character in in toy photography so uh, at guillemet.gh4 on Instagram. Go give him a follow. Beautiful work on this here shot. Next up is at visual underscore approach underscore photo. One of our favorites. And what, what visual approach has done is essentially given us, I don't know if it's necessarily, I think it is. I, I'm going to call it a scene recreation from Attack of the Clones. So what we see is our good old straight up white armor uh clone v1s from attack of the clones it looks like they're on geonosis 2 and there's one of the 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 clone tanks that they dropped onto to geonosis with right behind them so you see on like a small ridge above them the tank gun pointing over you can see a jedi on the tank kind of leading the charge uh and then you see four uh you know Phase one clones down there on the ground, firing their guns in different directions, shooting down all of the different Geonosians that are flying at them. Um, yeah, man, it's just a, it's a very clean, very well executed scene recreation shot from visual approach photo. I mean, we've seen visual approach just fucking killing it recently in the, in the toy photography game. And it's not just star Wars. It's everything. It's all of his interests. He's got Star Wars. He's got Marvel. He's got DC. He's got tons. He's got Conan the Barbarian on there. I mean, the guy runs the gamut of what he takes pictures of. Obviously, he leans towards Star Wars a bit. Um, but awesome to see his shots no matter what he is shooting. So make sure to give him a follow at visual underscore approach underscore photo on IG. The last one up, I believe this is a first time top fiver. 
This is at Chris underscore mastery, M-A-S-T-R-E-E underscore productions. And, and Chris mastery has put together, um, one of the coolest pieces of star Wars toy photography that I've ever seen. Um, it is, it's absolutely in insane. Um, I like, I, I, I don't know. Actually, I don't know. I'll take this back. Cause I don't know if this is toy photography. I don't think it is. Um, I think that this is like renderings that, that Chris mastery has done on his own to basically take halo Spartan armor and then turn it into clone troopers. So what we see in this image is right up front, the man himself, uh, as Chris Mastery calls him, Spartan Rex. So what you see is full Halo Spartan armor, but it is completely customized to match the armor that Rex wore in his, you know, his clone armor. You get the clone helmet, the 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 essential the you know 100% recreated clone helmet um but just so much more bulk so much more it looks like the like Rex's body size has almost been like doubled in terms of uh his width because of how big the Spartan armor is on him and then Rex is flanked on both sides in the background by two uh by well you know two on either side of him other Spartan clone troopers just menacingly walking towards the the frame and there's two massive explosions going off in the background i mean this is just masterful uh mashup between halo and star wars it's just such a beautiful rendering of what uh a more badass kind of uh you know a, a more badass Star Wars clone trooper could look like if you gave him kind of the bulk and the size of the Halo of the Halo Spartans, um, and it really just jumps right out at you as soon as you see it. It just stands out from everything you've ever seen in toy photography. Excuse me, in toy photography before, um, because it's not toy photography. It is a special render done by by Chris Mastery himself. So um, make sure to go follow. This person at Chris underscore mastery. That's M A S T R E E underscore productions on Instagram. The guy is a visual artist to the max. Just beautiful work, whether it be halo star Wars, a mash of both. He is a huge fan of just uh, sci-fi in general. So make sure to go give him a follow. Um, and that's it. You know, that's the end of the top five. And as the top five ends. So does the show. So that's the end of this week's show. Um, thank you all for tuning in. I know it was a shorter episode than you're used to, but it's a solo show and I am not as verbose as Matt when it comes to solo shows. He'll give you two and a half hour long solo shows. I'll get you out the door in an hour, maybe even a few minutes less. So as always, Make sure to follow us on our socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Obviously, we use Instagram the most. So at Star Wars Time Show on Instagram. Go give us a follow on TikTok too. I know that Matt's been throwing up some, some TikTok content on there. Um, if you're interested in short form stuff like that, give us a follow on TikTok. Um, make sure to follow us on the podcast platform of your choice, whether it be uh, Spotify, whether it be Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, whether it be uh, Pandora, anything. We, we're on so many podcast platforms that it's actually just hard for us to remember all of them. But give us a follow on whichever one that you use. Also, very important, give us a rating. I know on Spotify, you can, you can like give a star rating to podcasts, I believe, in some instances. So, so look at that. See if you can like give us a like. Uh, give us a give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Give us a rating on Google and any other platform that you're on, because those ratings help other people see the Star Wars Time Show, and that helps us. Because the more people who listen, the more we, uh, you know, 
the wider our fan base gets, the more that we can do, the more opportunities that we have to interview fun people like we did in the past when we were talking to Nick Gillard, the the master of special effects on the prequel trilogy and other Star Wars artists that we've talked to over over the years, both people who have worked on the movies and who have pe- people who work in the community. So do that. Give us a rating. Um, we would greatly appreciate it. And share us with your friends. You know, if you, if you have people who like Star Wars as well, say, hey, man, there's this new podcast I'm listening to. Pretty cool. The guys are pretty chill. Uh, give them a link to one of our podcasts. Have them listen. Maybe they'll like it. Maybe they won't. But hey, you gave it a try. Uh, that's about it. As we say at the end of every show, if you listen to the Star Wars Time Show, the Force will be with you always. Thank you and enjoy your week.